1: Our next guest on the When to Jump podcast is someone who took a jump to serve others. Vanessa DeLuca left a career in retail to go back to school to get into journalism. Vanessa talks about how jumps can happen when you're thinking of others, not necessarily yourself. And her two jumps were just very different. One was going into the industry and then another into essence was how you create a jump within an industry. Essence has had some interesting news recently, which we'll talk about at the beginning of the show. Vanessa is going to talk a little bit about what that means for her, the magazine, as well as just her thoughts on taking a jump, particularly when it means moving home and going back to school and doing things that might not be that fun, but are putting you on a path to serve others. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Vanessa at the Essence Magazine headquarters in New York City. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Oh,
1: me too. It's fun to do these in person We you to sit down. It feels like a real conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we should start with the most recent news with Essence, which is that you've been bought and are going into private ownership from Time Magazine. Tell us a little bit about that, as much as you can tell right now. Sure.
0: Um, So it's really exciting times. Um, Last week we announced that Essence will now be owned by Essence Ventures, LLC. Um, The head of the company is Rich Liu Dennis, who you may know because he's CEO of Sundial. Um, So it's an exciting time for us because the brand, after 48 years, is being returned to being black-owned. And um, I have to tell you, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. Our audience is thrilled. We're thrilled. It's just an exciting time.
1: Oh, terrific, and stepping back for a second, for those who don't know Essence, can you give us a little bit about the background and mission of the magazine?
0: Sure, Um, Essence was started almost 48 years ago by four black men who felt that there wasn't anything in um, in the marketplace for women of color for black women they wanted a magazine that their aunties and their daughters and their moms and uh, could relate to with content they could relate to and that really reflected and embraced inspired empowered black women. So, uh, forty-eight years later, here we are—not just with a magazine, but with incredible platforms. We're on every social media platform, including Snapchat Discover. We have our own channel, uh, Essence.com. We have one of the largest live events in the nation, Essence Festival, which um, every for the past. Uh, 23 years has um, been in New Orleans. Uh, we celebrate kind of the the year in down in New Orleans over Fourth of July weekend, and it's just um, I it's hard to put into words the um, importance of Essence to our community, especially to Black women, because so often our voices aren't heard, and so to have a place where It's automatic that you're appreciated, that you're loved, that you're understood, that you're championed, that you um, are advocated for is a very special responsibility. And everyone who works for the brand is passionate about that mission.
1: Wow. It reminds me a little bit of what in terms of community, we're trying to build with "When to Jump." It's it's different ways to say a message of solidarity and support and things like that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's a critical time, right? There's so much going oh on uh, after you know 2017. Uh, I think everyone is feeling not only that we need to pay more attention to the issues that are concerning our communities, but also we need to pay more attention to each other. Um, and support one another and I think that that's what people have always felt with Essence that's why our audience is um, so tuned into what we do because we truly do work for her yeah
1: oh wow all right well going to her or at least you (laughs) I'd love to go into your jump story because as most guests with the show you have one you didn't kind of come into the world saying, I'm going to be an editor in chief of a magazine, right? That wasn't the story.
0: No, not at all. Actually, I was uh, working in um, retail for about seven years, quite honestly. I started out as like a sales manager at Macy's and became an assistant buyer and at a certain point and and went into product development. And at a certain point, I realized, you know, I don't know if this is really where I belong. Um, It always seemed kind of like a struggle. I think I thought going into fashion was going to be very glamorous and I would be a buyer and travel all these places and that didn't really that really wasn't what it was what it was. Um, so when the company that I was working for decided that they were going to relocate to St. Louis, I took it as an opportunity to, Think about what else I might want to do. I knew I didn't want to move. Um, and I've always loved, I was an English major in college. I've always loved magazines. I thought, well, I'm not married. I, I don't have kids. I can still do this, even though I was like, then, you know, my 30s. I, I you know, I said, I can, I can give this a shot. So I did. Wow.
1: Yeah. And- And what happened next wasn't super (laughs) glamorous, right? You moved back home and started back at school.
0: That's right. Um, Yeah, I moved back in with my parents. I gave up my apartment. Um, I took, like, a a huge pay cut um, to start work at Glamour Magazine as an editorial assistant. Well, that was after I went to NYU as a summer publishing institute. I went and did that program. And part of the reason I did it was because they had a job fair at the end, and I knew, well, this will help me at least get a foot in the door. And as it so happened, I met a recruiter from Condé Nast, and I told her I wanted to do fashion writing because I had the retail background, right? So I you know, kind of built my own story, and um, after a number of interviews, they gave me the job. Wow.
1: <laughs> now that looks, in hindsight, like the right shot on goal. You went for the job fair at the end, and it clicked. Did you feel at the time, though, Even if there was no job waiting for you, was it the right move?
0: I did, actually. I mean, I didn't know how it was going to happen. And uh, actually, before I started at Glamour, I did this internship literally for bus fare at this magazine called Spy, which no longer exists. But I was even not on the editorial side. It was like on the marketing side. I just felt like if I put myself out there enough and um, I was older, so I had a little bit more work experience and I feel that I was clearer about what I wanted and how to go about um, making it happen than if I if I had tried this fresh out of school out of college I don't know if it would have gone the same way to be honest wow. with you yeah
1: did you did you feel any of that <clears throat> purely social kind of superficial pressure that I think our society is very good at heaping on us about Going off the path of being an assistant buyer, a buyer, and then moving in with their family for some reason that seems like the it's like no where is oh she's living with her parents which something must have been wrong in her career.
0: Oh yeah, no absolutely. I mean, I think even my parents thought that I was a little off my rocker (laughs) to be quite honest with you about making this complete you know one eighty turn. But there, I I kind of just knew that if. I didn't do it, I would be regret that more than you know than trying and possibly failing.
1: It's funny, I, I guess you don't have to read the book because in the book, <laughs> uh, people always ask me, what's the common thread? And it just, we have this book of 44 stories and almost all of them come back to this regret of not trying.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seemed to me that there was something that I was always drawn to about creating um, content. Um, and even when I was a kid, my mom and I used to cut out pictures and make our own little books and magazines and something kept drawing me back to that. Even when I was working in retailing, I always took classes at night in writing, nonfiction, oh, wow. advertising, copywriting. I mean like anything to just keep writing.
1: Uh,
0: and I think that was all useful.
1: Wow. Yeah. So you land the job and then what <laughs> yeah. happens?
0: So, yeah, so I got the job, and the editor that I worked for at Glamour, um, Joanne Matera, uh, was amazing. She knew that I was older, but she also knew that I had ambitions, right? And so she was very open to me talking about them. In fact, she started first. She said to me, listen, I know that you're not going to do this forever, but while you're here, if you, you know, are as attentive to me and, and the things that I need to get done, I will, in return, support you. And she was very helpful. I got promoted twice there in, in, in three years. Wow.
1: How important is it to have someone like that in your corner?
0: Oh, it's critical. It's absolutely critical. Uh, Joanne was a mentor, but also she was an example of how to make a transition. She herself had made a transition from being in the art world um, to She still does create art, by the way, um, to doing magazines. So I think she was a kind of a kindred spirit. She understood what it meant for someone to shift gears and try something different. I think that's why we connected. And I was very deliberate about asking her a lot of questions, too, when I met with her, because I wanted to understand who I'd be working for. Even if I was getting them coffee and doing Xeroxes and I did all that stuff, um, I still wanted to know, you know, what was important to her, and I think that's why we connected, because we understood each other. Sounds
1: like there was an emphasis on not just, what am I doing today, but is this a person that will help me grow into what I'm doing tomorrow?
0: Absolutely. I mean, I my intention, knowing that I was kind of coming late to the game, and I'm surrounded by people who are much younger <laughs> than, um, than I was, uh, that I had a lot of ground to make up, right? And uh, wanting to use this as an opportunity to get as much experience as I absolutely could. Wow.
1: Were there ever points, or I'm sure there were, but that come to mind where you almost said, I'm done Xeroxing and getting copies as a 30-something-year-old?
0: You know, no, quite honestly. Great. <laughs> <laughs> wrong mean, there. The thing is, if you're in a place where they are open to giving you opportunities, like I, the, the first thing I got out of the job was my own column, fashion Q&A. That was just with my own byline. That that alone was, you know, something that people work, you know, years to get. And I just felt like it it you know, the coffee and the petty cash and the all those things, that doesn't matter. What matters is I'm getting exposed to all of these brilliant Editors, Ruth Whitney was the editor-in-chief at the time. Cindy Levy, who just recently left Glamour as editor-in-chief, was my cubicle mate. I mean, I was surrounded by all these incredible, smart women. And just to be in that energy, I would have done anything, really, just to, to be a part of that. Yeah.
1: Wow. it's It's interesting because I think a question that comes up in our community often is, you know, if you're going to start on something, I mean, we had it last night, there's a woman who's a therapist wants to become a writer and wants to find where to go, what to do, how do you start? And it just seems like it's so people driven, at least in your story.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that I knew that the publishing world was very, it's really a lot about connecting, and who do you know, and how do you get in, and um, relationships are very important. Um, So when you know that, then you can kind of figure out, well, what kinds of events should I be going to, what kinds of organizations should I be involved with, where I can meet the kinds of people who are doing what I want to do. Um, That's an easy way to kind of, and then also to kind of gauge, is this really what I want to do? Right, Um, But I I just had a sense that once I started there, I just knew I'd made the right decision. I mean, I have never looked back.
1: Wow. And so when you leave there after two promotions in three years, (laughs) where do you go next?
0: So I knew I wanted to write about more than fashion. Uh, So I went back to school. I went to Columbia Grad School of Journalism uh, for a year. They had like a nine-month program to get my master's. And I chose that program because they make you go out into the field and report. I mean, it's like it's like you're on a daily beat. You choose a beat, and you have to write every day. And, and I mean, it it was one of the most challenging things I've ever had to do. I mean, I had just gotten married. Um, I uh, was, you know, uh, trying to do a lot in, in one year and trying to— prove to myself that I could do something beyond writing around about fashion. It was just important to me to be well-rounded. So I did that program, which was excellent, um, and I ended up meeting, one of the classes I took was a magazine workshop, and I ended up meeting two editors who were former editors at, at editor chiefs at Time Magazine and Life. And they, in turn, ended up introducing, they wanted everybody in the class to get to meet somebody in the business, and they made intros for us, and they helped us get in the, a foot in the door, and I ended up meeting the editor-in chief of life, and that's how I ended up working there. I mean, yeah, it, I mean it it, so- it just sounds it sounds simpler than it was, sure, but the you know, I was very deliberate about how do I choose the right place courses to help me get to the next thing that I want to do
1: right yeah so as if one side was the people you wanted to align with the other part was the the actual programming the content that you're going to do
0: yeah I mean I I wanted to I knew I wanted to be more general interest I didn't know or write about other things other than um than what I was doing at glamour and I felt that if I came out of this program, I'd be prepared, I could write about anything, and that would give me the confidence to just go any place and feel like I could do the work. And um, yeah, it worked out that I became um, a writer at, at Life. Um, all different kinds of assignments, got to travel a lot all across the country, um, learned a lot about visual storytelling, um, again, worked with some incredible editors um, who are still, one of whom still in my life today. And yeah, I, I just, it was, um, it was well worth going. There, there were, of course, when I left Glamour, they were like, well, you're already in the business. What are you doing? Like, why, why do you want to go get a master? You don't need it. You're already doing this. And I said, well, quite honestly, I don't feel myself that I have the back, the right foundation. I didn't write for the school newspaper in college or even in high school. I mean, I didn't do the typical things that people do when they're planning a career in journalism. And I just felt like this could, this will help me kind of leap over an obstacle, even if it's only in my own head.
1: Absolutely. Well, and there's something to be said about that. (laughs) I think, you know, on one hand, you want to be fearless but you also I think want to take the right steps with the right measure when you go forward and it sounds like you were investing in the long haul of a career
0: yeah I mean I knew that I'm not probably not that this was going to be this was going to be the career of my you know this was going to be my mainstay career does that make sense like I I was trying to figure it out for the first seven years and I think that's okay and I don't think that any of that time was wasted. Uh, it actually helped me quite a bit um, in making the jump. But, you know, once I found the right place, then I was clear, okay, these are the things I need to do to continue to make myself valuable and marketable and to do work that I really enjoy.
1: Yeah. It's very impressive given that you, you landed in a place with glamour where it, it sounds like no one would have said anything had you just kept on, kept on, keeping on, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, my um, editor really was kind of like, "I just don't understand why you want to do this," but I think after you know, after a while, she got it and she understood, and she was a great supporter, and um, I, I, I'm glad that I did because I think. I, I don't know that I would necessarily be sitting here talking to you now if um, or have the job that I have now if I had stayed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did your inner voice and resolve that could mute some of the detractors who didn't want you to go to school, was that hardened and, and maybe reinforced from already jumping before?
0: You know, I think that I've always tried to be really self-aware, and I try to listen when my head is restless or when I'm feeling a little restless. And, um, yeah, I just knew that after three years, I needed to shift and do something different. Um, s- school was was the, you know, the natural kind of – I've always kind of gone back to education. You know, mm-hmm. I told – yeah, like I said before, <clears throat> I was taking those classes at night. I've always kind of done that to help me figure out what the next move should be. Cool and so it seemed logical to me like uh, if you're not really sure what where you're going to land next but this will help you figure it out right yeah
1: it's neat because there's a friend of mine who says, you know, if you want to think of what your passions are, look at how you spend your time. <laughs> it it's, sounds like it's always been there. Yeah,
0: for you. no, it's true. I mean, besides um, besides what I do now, my only other passion really is I love to cook, and I actually um, t- took classes part time at night to get a culinary degree. So oh I have gosh. that. That's my fallback. Like you know. If, yeah. If, uh, you know, if I decide at some point, like, I'm ready to move on to something else, I, I feel like that's going to
1: be the next thing. Yeah. Bon Appetit could be looking yeah. for an editor and chief. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> what um, do you have a go to dish?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, like my seven cheese macaroni and cheese. Everybody always asks me to make that. That's like the thing that if somebody's having a potluck, they're like, make that macaroni and cheese.
1: Can you name all seven of the cheeses? Um, no. Okay. There are there, there are seven. <laughs>
0: but there are seven, yeah. There's like, well, there's three that are like in the Mexican cheese yeah, blend. Yeah, so you those know, out. so like yeah, yeah, take yeah. those out, a Munster, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of Cheddars, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You That's know.
1: incredible. <laughs> Do you ever cook for office parties? Ever... I have, yeah. You're
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. like yeah. kind of stressful, I guess. For sure. Stuff.
0: Yeah, like, Yeah. not lately, but yeah, I have definitely. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wow. <laughs> I respect those who can cook well. I I like to cook, but I'm not mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things you have to do well and and really it's just for me it's being patient and being very careful on a lot of things at once.
0: Yeah, it's just relaxing for me. I mean, that's, you know, on a Sunday if I I will plan out, I'll pull out recipes, go shopping and then I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to cook for the week." Well, I'm going to make these things. It's very um, therapeutic. Th- yeah, it's wow. therapeutic. It's calming. It's wow. soothing. And then at the end, it's comforting because it's good. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's good.
1: That's great. And where did you grow up?
0: I grew up uh, in East Orange, New Jersey. All all around New Jersey. Um, I was born in Fort Deposit, Alabama, where both my parents are from and met. And then my dad, when I was a year old, moved up to Jersey for a job, and we followed soon after. And I've pretty much lived in Jersey ever since, except for, you know, my college years. But Uh yeah. All right.
1: And when you, when you made it over to Essence, you started out in the, was an editor of one part of the magazine.
0: Yeah, I was a fashion beauty features editor. Um, So going back to my fashion roots, uh, after life disbanded, um, life became no more um, in uh, 2000. And... I was trying to kind of figure out where I wanted to go next. And I had interviewed and met with people at Essence before in the past, you know, like exploratory. But uh, in 2000, I ended up joining the company. It was right at the time when they um, formed a partnership with Time Inc. And, uh, yeah, so I decided to come. I'd always felt that I would one day want to work at Essence, um, and if the timing just worked out. Wow. Yeah.
1: There are a lot of folks who are in our community that like to write. Some people want to be bloggers. Some people want to be journalists, novelists. Is there any piece of advice for those folks specific to writing and journalism and communications?
0: I, I think it's really important to know what your voice is and what are the things that matter to you. Because if you're writing from a place of... Um, of passion and experience and things that you care about, it comes through in the writing. I can always tell when someone's really not attached to something that they're writing; it it reads that way. And I think that you know, just do trust your trust your voice. I know people say that all the time, but it's really true. You have to trust what you do well and um, and just believe in it. And make sure that that's what comes out on the page. Not something that you think people want to hear, not something that you think somebody should hear from you or read from you. It's what you really care about. And if you do that and you focus on that, it's going to be organically
1: great. Yeah. Any advice for jumping overall based on your experience? (laughs)
0: Um, I think, you know, leap with, uh, you know, leap with. Empowerment, leap with authority. Do some work with yourself first to figure out, you know, really what it is that you want. And then kind of think strategically about how do I make those pieces come together? Sometimes you can't predict everything. Of course, I never could have predicted that any of this would have happened. In a million years, if you told me I'd be editor in chief of Essence Magazine. I would have, if you told me that, you know, when I first started out, I would have thought you were crazy. Really? Yeah, because it never, I it never occurred to me that that was something that was for me, right? Uh, but as you you work and you learn and you see different things, you get ex- you get to see the possibilities for yourself that are beyond what you originally thought, and that's when you know you're ready to take the leap, when you're even thinking about it, like, that could be, that could be me. Then you know you're ready to take that next step. It's just that if you listen to it, you know, sometimes we get scared. And right. yeah, there's there's definitely fear in it. And I, actually, if you don't have butterflies, it's probably, yeah. it's probably something wrong. But yeah, just, just take the leap, you know?
1: I think that's a good place to end on <laughs> Vanessa K. DeLuca editor-in-chief of Essence Magazine thank you so much for taking time to let uh, me come into the office and sit down with you
0: oh it's a pleasure, thank you
1: we are a few weeks into the book being out and it has been truly incredible 15 events in the first 10 days sellouts here, there, and everywhere crowds of people that have a story to tell and I've been able and lucky to meet many of you if you haven't read the book yet, grab it, whentojump.com slash book. That's wendajump.com slash book. 44 stories of people jumping in every type of way. Insights and frameworks and a forward from Sheryl Sandberg. It has been amazing. So all that can be found on the website. I hope you read the book. If you do, reach out. Thank you for following and thank you for listening to the When to Jump podcast.